You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you inspiration and resources to help you discover and live from your truest self. Follow along on social media at Collected Workshops, and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and to learn more. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 27 of The Collected Podcast. I'm Tia McNelly. And I'm Jess Biondo, and this week we are so excited to bring you Chip Ingram. He is a pastor, CEO of Living on the Edge, an international teaching and discipleship ministry. He's an author of many, many books, including his newest book coming out soon called Discover Your True Self, How to Silence the Lies of Your Past and Actually Experience Who God Says You Are. Chip, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Jess. Great to be with you guys. Thank you for writing a book directly to our audience. We appreciate that. Well, I heard about your podcast, and so I thought I should write a book especially for you guys. Thank Thank you for that. Thank you. Nobody believes that, and it's not true, but (laughs) I'm I'm so glad, really, to be, you know, no no joking. It's such a huge issue. It's Mm -hmm. so great to be able to just team up with you. Thank you. And Chip, you are a bucket list guest. And so we are thrilled to death to just have you sitting here in our Zoom room and chat with you today. This is a real treat. Yeah. And before we dive into the content of your book, I was wondering if we could back up to the beginning or beginning-ish of your story and hear how you got on this journey that you're on of teaching and speaking and living on the edge and just any ways that stand out in your mind of how God has opened surprising doors since you gave him your yes. Yeah, I would say the big surprising door was I grew up in a very dysfunctional religious environment that turned me completely off. Mm. And through sports, I saw the gospel first and then um, heard it and uh, trusted Christ right after high school, went away on a basketball scholarship. And unfortunately, um, I compensated for all those deep insecurities by becoming a very driven overextended workaholic. By the time mm-hmm. I was 12, I had like nine lawns, two paper outs, and lent my parents $3,000 at 6% interest and collected. <laughs> and, uh, and so it was like, you know, I was always one of the smaller guys on the team. So the overachiever, uh, the world says you are what you achieve plus other people's opinion. Mm-hmm. And I was desperate to prove that even though I was small and, I, you know, my father went through the war and became an alcoholic. Mm. So no matter what you did, you never measured up. Um, mm. And it was, he was sincere, you know, love from that generation was, you know, if you got four A's and a B, we're going to talk about the B, you know, what happened. And so I really come out of a performance orientation. So really understanding grace was a journey. Yeah. And uh, a bricklayer uh, who had a little ministry in the college town uh, discipled me. And then he and I went and did it at another uh, campus. He had this dream, even though he worked full-time as a bricklayer. And we just saw hundreds of college kids come to Christ and grow. And then I ended up being asked to play on a basketball team where we played throughout all the countries of South America and sharing Christ and then played with an Australian team overseas. And in all of that, the last person in the world that ever thought he'd be in any quote vocational ministry, I thought I would be a teacher of basketball coach or a lawyer. And um, after teaching and coaching for a little while, was overseas and ended up going to seminary. And, you know, I would just teach these little Bible studies and then like hundreds of people would show up. And these other people told me, you have a gift for this. And I thought, oh no, no, I, I'm just, I can, I was asked to preach it at, at my church when I was in early twenties and 
I said, oh, no, I could, I could never do that. And he said, well, you got hundreds of college kids coming to this group on Thursday. I said, well, I just share what I learned with them. And about three months mm-hmm. later, he said, you think you could come to church and maybe just share what you're learning? I said, oh, yeah, sure. You know, I could do that. So uh, we got in a truck and put everything we owned in it and went off to seminary. And that, that's sort of the, the story. So, Wow. That's amazing. And just another, we love getting testimonies of how God takes our small yes and one step at a time and takes us on a journey that we would have never expected on our own. Yeah, Um, that's amazing. Always better than we could have dreamed. Um, So let's dive into the book now, because this content is so good and so powerful. Spot on. And you mentioned that the book is based on the first three chapters of Ephesians. So could you just kind of start there and break down how it connects to that scripture and where the idea for the book came from? The idea, I'll start there, Mm -hmm. came from, I had studied it and I knew what it meant to be in Christ. Uh, Paul uses that phrase over 50 times, but 35 of them are either in Christ or in him in this book. So if you ever wanted to know when you prayed to receive Christ and united with him, what's true about you? And so the first three chapters really are saying, this is who you really are. And then the last three chapters say, now in view of that, live out, let you let your behavior tell the same story as your beliefs. And, uh, and it's, it's fairly technical in terms of these great doctrines, you know, adoption and predestined to adoption and you're chosen and sealed with the spirit. You have a, um, this holy calling and, um, all these huge doctrines. And when I would hear it taught, I would leave probably like most Christians thinking, well, there's a lot of huge doctrines and I'm, I know they're true and thank you, Lord. But it was like, you know, like sometimes in your mind, you're just trying to say, okay, I, I'm in Christ. <laughs> I'm seated in the heavenly places. Like, yes. And what in the world does that mean? <laughs> right. I mean, in everyday life, you know, right. I mean, and so what I realized because we uh, we ministered in Santa Cruz, which is a sort of an area that thinks San Francisco is too conservative, if you can imagine. And, um, and so very new age, a lot of satanic bookstores, very free, open. And God did this amazing work there. And they had, I mean, people would come, they never heard of Noah, Adam and Eve, never opened the Bible, completely unchurched. And it was a very exciting place where God did a great work. And, and what I realized was when I was teaching there, you I couldn't go through a bunch of doctrines. And so I, I, I learned there to do what I call spiritual jeopardy. And if you've <laughs> ever watched Jeopardy, yeah. it's, they give you the answer and you, you, you have to give them the question. And so I started studying whole books and I would, you know, do it like I do. And then this first paragraph is about that you are chosen and adopted by God. Well, that means you're really, he really wants you and he mm-hmm. wants you a part of his family. And I said, well, well, that's the answer. What's the problem? It's rejection. Mm-hmm. We've all been rejected on our families or yeah. our relationship. or, And so what I did is I went through all those major doctrines and there's six big ones. Um, and then I did the corresponding issue. And so it covers fear and shame and guilt and wow. insignificance. Um, and God says, you're beautiful. Mm-hmm. You're chosen. You're accepted. You belong. You have purpose. And it's really exciting, but I, I find that people often, they don't make that connection. They struggle mm-hmm. like, like, like we did. I, I, I wanted to have a really challenging marriage. So I married someone whose father was an alcoholic too. So when oh, we wow. got together, our, our, the baggage, we, we couldn't fit in the truck that we 
you know, drove <laughs> off in. And uh, God's been very gracious to us. My goodness. Mm. That is such powerful truth that once you grab hold of, I love that you pointed out that the, the outflow, your choices, your behavior come from your understanding of your identity, which is one of our core uh, points in our message at Collected. So I love, I, I, it's, so, it's so encouraging to see sort of an OG in the ministry yeah. coming out with such a timely message that aligns with, with what the Lord has given us. Like what a blessing and affirmation and confirmation for us. And you didn't know it, but that really charges me to press on. Wow. That's amazing. Well, I love it. it. It reminds me of uh, my son is a songwriter and uh, he and one of his partners, uh, he wrote most of all the songs for Lauren Daigle's first album. And then the three of them wrote all the others. But You Say is a song that Mm -hmm. when I heard that song, you know, you say I'm loved when I don't feel a thing. You know, you say I am strong when I, I don't think I can go on. I don't have all the words, but I think it deeply resonated with people because down deep in our heart, we just so long for that to be true. And we realize, you know, the little phrase all through the song is, I believe, I believe, Mm -hmm. I believe. And uh, what my wife and I learned was you can know things cognitively in your head, but they don't get into your heart, into your life, unless you really renew your mind intentionally. Mm -hmm. And uh, so since there's, you know, I know a great deal of your audience is women Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to say that, you know, I just love to teach the Bible and I came up with a great thought for a book, but this book has been probably 40 years in the making. And when our marriage was not working in seminary, I mean, we couldn't communicate, we couldn't resolve anger. I had this amazingly beautiful, smart, godly wife, but when she looked in the mirror, she saw ugly, mm-hmm. unworthy, mm-hmm. unlovable. And I mean, it, I would really love her, give her a compliment and well, you're not being honest with me because she, could, she couldn't receive it. Mm. And we went to a good Christian counselor who happened to be a pastor. And, you know, he realized our issues weren't marriage. Mm-hmm. Our issues were, we started thinking they were my wife's. At least I did. I think the pastor <laughs> knew better. <laughs> and, you know, she had probably the worst self-image of anyone you've ever met in your life. Mm. And yet on the outside, I mean, beautiful, um, really smart. And... Little by little, he would have us write on cards, you know, the behaviors, you know, you try and just change behaviors, it's willpower. Mm-hmm. And so instead, he got underneath that and he said, here's, here's what you believe. And we would write it down like a misbelief. Uh, I can never be happy unless I have the approval of the most important people in my life. And, and then there, and when we wrote a little red stop sign and then we mm-hmm. flipped the card over and it said, I, I would like for people to like me, but I don't need them to because I'm already accepted by Jesus Christ. And mm-hmm. then Second Corinthians five seventeen, you know, and there's a verse. And so to make a very long story short, so your listeners imagine deep, deep struggles, having a stack of these cards of misbeliefs. And for two years, every morning before I went to work, we sat on the couch and we read them out loud. Wow. <laughs> and then and then in about three months, what I realized was, oh, this was supposed to be for my wife. And she, hers, her issues and insecurities and struggles manifested in a little bit more, uh, less positive ways. Well, mine got rewarded. So I was mm-hmm. deeply insecure. I wanted people's approval. So, I mean, 
we, we were in a church of 35 people and I was working 85 hours a week. And My goodness. The, hospital. <laughs> the phone rang. I would jump up and answer it because, oh, I got to take care of everyone. I've got to be everything to everyone. And it burnout, overextension. And so mm-hmm. what we did in this book is I teach it, but then we put those cards at the end of every chapter and give people some questions so they can actually go into training. Because I don't know about you, I, I've never read a book and then I set it down and got, I'm a different person. This is wonderful. <laughs> right. I read yeah. this book, right? <laughs> well, the Bible, but so that's about yes. it. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, the, it's, it's creating a tool and, and even now, uh, she ended up years later um, teaching on the subject. And uh, when we went to Santa Cruz, which was a really weird place, uh, she said, you know, I've hid all my life and I want to tell people my testimony. And again, mm-hmm. for probably this is not unusual. She grew up in a really abusive home. And so she wanted to get out of it early. So if you don't get loved at home, she found a guy early on, married early put him through school after she, as she went through school. And of course he started selling drugs, had another woman mm-hmm. on the side, found out she's pregnant with, she, she, she thought just one. And then she heard the doctor say, okay, we better get the other one. She had twins. Oh my goodness. Abandoned by her husband, left the state with another woman. Her life, she said, I would have killed myself except I had these two babies. Her mm-hmm. boss leads her to the Lord. And I meet her about two, two and a half years later. And she was a trophy of God's grace, mm. but a lot of scars. Yeah. And so we, you know, a year and a half of really, you know, wow, there's a lot of issues here. We really need to figure out, is this good? And so we married and um, I got to later adopt those little boys. Oh, and, wow. and I just, they're all grown up and they've all married well and they all have walked with the Lord but, I, you know, I, I want people to hear, sometimes I think when you, you hear someone who's written a book or something that they, they know more or they're more important or they're smarter or God does that for them, but not, my wife and I, we're regular people. We, mm-hmm. we um, were very ordinary. And I, my thesis has always been when I, because I didn't read the Bible growing up. And so I, I, I didn't have like this picture like, oh, there's these wonderful saints. I remember reading it for the first time and thinking, Gosh, David was a murderer and adulterer. Right. Moses was a murderer. <laughs> the Apostle Paul was a murderer. I haven't even killed anybody yet. I, I think if God I'm can doing use all right. anybody. <laughs> and uh, so that, that's kind of the heart of what we are trying to help people with that I think really struggle and especially women. Yeah, that's powerful. Well, and in light of your story, it sounds like adoption hits very close to home to you. Oh. And I know you talk a lot in the book about being adopted and being wanted by God, and yet how we still live like orphans in spite of being adopted by a loving father. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the truths in the book and that you've learned that relate to that concept? You know, it is very special to me because having adopted those boys and then the challenges, they were still so fearful. And I remember it was mm-hmm. like, I guess I really got to adopt them when they were about six. And they were about 10 or 11. So it'd been about five years. And I remember going to a mentor and, you know, they loved me and called me dad. They never knew their biological father, but that connection mm-hmm. it just still wasn't there. And I remember saying, hey, what, you know, what do you do? And I never remember, he goes, you just keep loving them. Mm-hmm. Just love them, Chip. And, and it was, you know, it was about a year or two later and, and that deep, deep connection. And in fact, 
for years and people would, you know, meet us and, oh yeah, I knew he was your son. He's got your eyes and, you know, <laughs> all that stuff. Yeah. We just, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's really true, you know, and, you know, yeah, J- so Jason is adopted, so I can't claim any of his musical talent at all, but his mom <laughs> is musical. But, um, but what, what I learned from that is uh, in, in the New Testament times, they didn't adopt babies. Uh, in, in Roman culture, actually, two of the Caesars, actually, if you didn't have an heir, you would adopt someone. But you would adopt someone smart and with potential and a great background. And in other words, you, wanna, you would find the best of the best and you would adopt them, usually as a young man in their 20s, and then he would become your heir. And the moment he was adopted in Roman culture is any contract, any place his name showed up, it was expunged. His past was eliminated. If he had any financial debts, they no longer existed. And, and so if you can imagine being in a little house church in Ephesus, and this was a circulated letter, and hearing that God's adopted you, mm-hmm. and you're thinking, no, 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 God, I mean, super rich, powerful people like Caesar adopt the best of the best of the best. And this mm-hmm. says God adopts me. And, not, and, and adoption meant all the privileges. Mm-hmm. It meant... Um, not just that you belong, but anything your father has is available to you. Yeah. And you know, that's true of us, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to live, I spent at least the first 10 years, even as a pastor, I didn't get it, but I was living for God's approval mm. instead of from God's approval. Yeah. And there's a big and distinction there, I think I meet there, huh? a lot of worn out Christians yeah. Okay, I need, I need to read the Bible more. Uh, you need to pray longer. Uh, I need to serve. And oh gosh, mm-hmm. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. And behind it is a lot of God really down deep only loves me when I'm doing good. Right. Or people don't really love and accept me unless I'm doing well. Right. And then you try and please everybody. Right. And there's no freedom in that. So um, yeah, that breaking that was just, you, you ask the impact, it has revolutionized my life. Wow. Well, listeners, if you're new to The Collected Podcast, just to fill you in a little bit on on my background, I had an unplanned pregnancy in college and my husband adopted my daughter when she was just 18 months old. And, and we married really quickly. We met online back in 2004, which was like super kind of shady back then. Yeah. And, um, and we were married within six months and, um, and she's, you know, she's his and she, her, uh, birth certificate was changed. Like the record, permanent record of her birth is changed as if he were her father from conception, which is just such a beautiful picture of what it means when we are adopted into our kingdom family by the Lord. Like our record is permanently changed. And I, I love that. It's such a beautiful illustration. Can I ask you, uh, Tia? Yeah. I mean, obviously I got, I'm called to teach God's word and for us to create at Living on the Edge resources to help people right. grow in different ways. You know, those that are listening to your podcast right now, what's your dream for them? How do you, I know you minister to them through the 
through the podcast and then yeah. sort of what's what's your game? I'm just interested in yeah. how you guys do what you do. Is, am I allowed to ask this? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, can I interview you a little bit? Yeah. This is yeah. really exciting. Sure. Yeah. So our our heart, my heart, the initial message that the Lord gave me that I brought Jess in on from the very beginning was just, just to see people empowered to know God's love for them and understand that when they see the Father, they see their true identity. That if we are in Christ, we can look at Christ and see ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that once we have that understanding, the how we live our life is gonna flow from that. And so I want people empowered to, to understand their true identity, to recognize their kingdom purpose and to be launched into a life of meaning and to not be sidelined by their understanding of how their sin might impact their capacity to impact the kingdom. Wow. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. That's really neat. I'm sitting here thinking, I think you got the wrong person. I'm glad I'm here, but you need to talk to my wife because- <laughs> Oh, we'd love to. I watched her we'll take those cards. <laughs> yeah. And, and and as my when my daughter was a preteen, then as a teenager, and for those listening, those of you that are parents where, you know, your, your kids are still teenagers or, you know, actually even in their young 20s, but- that's the time to get an accurate view of yourself as all yes. those changes are happening. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, there's all kind of cultural challenges, but the ones mm-hmm. on women and especially teenage girls, they're off the yeah. charts. For and real. It's a toxic culture um, in the social media world and mm-hmm. how you're supposed to look and how you're supposed to act. And and it puts young women in an incredibly difficult place. Yeah. And even among other Christian girls. Yeah. To to really believe what God has said about you mm-hmm. and to follow that path can be really lonely. It mm-hmm. is. And you know, that's so that was kind of the impetus. Once we started with this message, we had a lot of people saying, Hey, you need to get this to teen girls. Exactly what you just said. So we've done um camps for teen girls because really? I have teen girls. Um, and this year we couldn't do it. And it has just been such a, you know, knowing that they're sitting and they're on social media more this year because they're home and there's not a lot to do like this ache to, to get, um, to get to them, you know, but I know that the Lord has them and we'll be back at it next summer for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. That is the key time, especially for, for girls. No doubt. I saw what it did in my daughter's life and has been really neat. So how many kids do you have all together? I have four grown kids. Okay. I have a songwriter, a physical therapist, and a pastor. Those are the three boys. Awesome. And my uh, my daughter actually was in ministry, and she's now a stay-at-home mom. She has four, seven wow. and under. And wow. uh, yeah, got she's some great she, kids. She then. purposely wanted them close together. Yeah. And I felt like my wife got a new job. She lives very close. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's been it's been really fun. And yeah. then uh, two of my boys have three kids and one of my sons has two. So we've got 12 grandkids overall. And Wow. Yeah. That is so fun. That's the that dream. Is. It really is. I can't is. wait for those days. <laughs> and you know, I would say one of the greatest things, very imperfectly, but to, um, because we were our first generation Christians. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I look back and I, and I had good moral parents and, and they, all of them, because of my sister actually, our whole family came to Christ. But my dad, it wasn't until mid to late fifties. But to have an adult to adult relationship with your kids where 
you can even agree to disagree, but where they want to be around you mm. and they share things with you that you, sometimes they'll leave and, and Teresa and I'll look at each other and say, would we ever, that subject, we would have never, ever even talked about. And just to, to be friends with them and then mm. watch them raise their kids. And yeah. anyway, it, it is really. Uh, That's it. I, I would say the biggest lesson as a, as a follower of Christ is if the average Christian could realize the sowing years um, are, are longer and feel a lot of pressure and there's all the temptations for shortcuts and you can make more money and do this and that. Um, the long-term huge reward and payoff of being counterculture, not weird, counterculture, yeah, yeah. <laughs> loving God, uh, maintaining your values, uh, spending time with God on a daily basis, uh, enduring through the struggles, realizing you don't have it together, but no one else does. Right. And he understands and he loves you. Mm-hmm. Um, very imperfect people like us, as mm-hmm. you sow those seeds, uh, doesn't mean all your kids are going to turn out right. They, they have a little chooser just like we do. Yep. <laughs> but if you can create an environment that really helps them mm-hmm. uh, understand how much they're loved, and yeah. who God is mm-hmm. and how holy he is. The rewards are really uh, rich. That's so encouraging. Yeah. And as Man. you were speaking, I felt very strongly that someone listening um, may be estranged from an adult child mm-hmm. and that that's very painful for them. But I believe with my whole heart that God is saying that he yeah. has reconciliation for that situation. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know when, I, I don't know who you are, but I just, as Chip was saying that, I just felt so strongly that mm. God's mm-hmm. heart is to bring someone back together with a child that they yeah. thought they had lost. Wow. Um, Thank so you, Lord. We'll, we'll be praying for that mm-hmm. if that person's out there. Um, if that resonates with you, feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to pray specifically for you. Yeah. Um, but just had to share Please. that too. That's awesome. Yeah, huge. And if I agree with that, some, Jess. Yeah. yeah. And if there's any practical help, we were, um, that you say that. Uh, just recently, we teamed up with Jim Burns. I, I came across a book called uh, Doing Life with Your Adult Children. Oh. And I read it and gave it to a couple of uh, friends. And they looked at me and said, this is like 20 years too late. It was really, really good. And so Jim's a friend. And so we actually did a little short uh, video course, he and I together, only, you know, like eight or nine, 10 minutes with a little help of very practical things of resolving conflict with adult children and everything from when they're not walking with God or communication breakdown or kind of money issues or, you know, they're still living with you and that's great. How do you negotiate all that. And, wow. Uh, I have a high school senior, so I'm picking free. that one up. That's yeah, it's, it's, awesome. It's, we, I, our app for the ministry, it's just my name, Chip Ingram. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on the bottom, you can listen. And I think where it says grow, uh, videos come up and they're free and if they can help you. Great. Wow, we'll awesome. put a link to that in the show notes and on our blog. That's yeah. an incredible resource. Yeah. Well, it yeah. really, I mean, when we were talking, a lot of it's confessional, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a psychologist and he's he's a really smart guy and has worked with families forever. But it was it was kind of neat to realize we all struggle. I mean, and mm-hmm. I mean, I love my kids, my kids love me. But when you go through different seasons, mm-hmm. uh, I think the subtitle is keep your mouth shut 
and the welcome mat open. <laughs> ah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I it's and for some of us who think we have a lot of wise counsel about this is what you really ought to do, or <laughs> we we because we've lived, we think you know, hey, I kind of know what's coming around the corner, and that may not be a corner you want to take. Um, I mean, obviously, if it was a big thing that was like life threatening, you would say something, but it's really hard, but really important yeah. to, you know what, keep your mouth shut. And, you know, you, you go from being the commander when they're small and then you become sort of the, the counselor a little bit later. And then when they're adults, you're a consultant. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, you, and, and, you know, when they ask for help, you can give it. But other than that, you kind of, and, and part of that is that's how, that's how they're adults. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll show them. That's so, that's such a, whew, that's going to be tough. Just looking oh, at that no, in the near future. You have no idea. <laughs> oh, For man. some of our personality types, it's like, oh, yeah. I bite my tongue. And I, you know, mm, mm, mm. Oh, boy. But, man. Well, we have just a few minutes remaining. And so I just want to put this out there for you. What, if, if, if you could give us one takeaway um, from Discover Your True Self, your new book, what, what would you want our audience to leave with today? I would want them to push the pause button on their life long enough and actually look at behaviors and challenges and relationships that you would say, these are not the way I want them. And, and this is not what God would want them to be mm. in my life, in my relationships. And then to pause and, and make the next statement to say, if I keep doing exactly what I'm currently doing, and, and they are, we all do. I'm responding to this like that. I'm overextended here. I've got unresolved conflict there. I feel like, you know, I'm asked to be, you know, a mother and work and this and the counselor and the taxi cab driver. This isn't working for me. Is to actually stop and then say, I'm going to carve out time. I'm going to, instead of medicating my challenges with Netflix and food and shopping, and money, and talking with other people, and binging on Facebook, not saying mm-hmm. any, all those are nice places to visit. They're really bad <laughs> places to live. Yeah, it's a good and, way to put it. And, mm-hmm. and then say, I'm going to focus on seeing myself the way that God sees me, mm-hmm. and go into training, and, and you know, it can be this book, little by chapter, and get one other person to do it, or actually middle of September, if they would go to like livingontheedge.org or if they happen to get the radio or the broadcast, I'm actually going to go through this. Oh, um, good. Uh, I'm going to go through the passages uh, five days a week, just one-on-one, not a teaching, but meeting with an individual person, one-on-one, five days out of seven for a month. I'll go through the whole thing. And if people will sign up to do it, I'll give them the book. I, I, want, wow. I want people to say, and I never talk more than 10 minutes, usually seven or eight. And I just asked them, will you take, I know there's a little sheet for each day. Will you take 10 minutes? Life change only happens when you get focused, mm-hmm. intentional and say, God, I, I mean, I'm serious. Yeah. I want to see myself the way you see me. Yeah. When that happens, uh, it's like the first domino. And so many of those other problems and struggles in your life, um, it's not like a magic wand. But in the matter of a few months, you, you will see an um, amazing change in freedom. Wow. 
That's what I'm so encouraging. Wow. Thank you so much for being with us, Chip. That was such a blessing. I remember when I was at my first writer's conference, there was a woman who kept asking um, different people and she even got, she asked me personally and she got up in a small group setting and asked the facilitators, it was like a panel, uh, what do you do if your book is already written or if there's someone else that's already like speaking your message? And I instantly heard from the Lord, let the choir sing. Like mm, yeah. there is, you know, it, it would be very easy to be discouraged that Chip Ingram has literally just written not the exact same book, but like the exact same message mm. um, that that the Lord has given me in Collected. And it's like, no, but but he wrote it with his experience and his perspective and what the Lord has shown him over the course of, what did he say, 40 years? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, 40 years. And the Lord has been speaking to me and growing me and building this content and this message from my perspective, from my voice for the last four years. And so it it's important that that as many people as the Lord is speaking to about a certain message, go ahead and get that message out. He's giving it to, to multiple people because his choir needs to sing and get this message of you are not your behavior. You are mm-hmm. who the Lord says you are, full stop. Yeah. That is the truth. Yeah, amen. So I just, I feel so encouraged to, mm-hmm. you know, just to know we're on the right track. That is good. And I have to, to do another plug. Chip was talking about the cards with the like the lie or the misbelief on the yes. front and then the truth of it on the back. Um, one of my dear friends, Candace, I told her we were having Chip on the on the show mm-hmm. and she immediately told me about those cards. She mm-hmm. said she and her husband do read them every night together and it's been transformational for them. Oh so just goodness. another plug for those um, that anyone who out there who's struggling with identity and believing God is who he says he is and you are who he says you are yeah. um, or struggling with any shame or guilt or fear, yeah. um, maybe these are just a thing to help drive that truth into your brain and help you start to believe it and live it in a new way. Yeah. Um, so we'll put a link to those in the show notes and on the blog as well. Yeah. Man, what a great interview. It was really good. Before we let you go, remember to rate, review, subscribe. Um, All of that helps us get discovered. We've had some powerhouse guests on. No kidding. And we want to get these interviews out there and get this message of God's truth and who we are in Him out into the world more. So you can help us um, by doing that. Also, find us on Instagram at Collected Ministries. Follow us along there. We've been working really hard to put out encouraging, inspirational content for you just on a more regular basis. Yeah. Thank you guys so so much for your support. And we will see you back here in two weeks. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you would help spread the word. 
Check back here for weekly episodes dropping every Thursday. You can follow Collected on social media at Collected Workshops. The Collected Podcast is also on Patreon at patreon.com slash thecollectedpodcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Become a patron for as little as $1 a month to gain access to bonus content, early bird ticket sales, exclusive contests, and more. You can also find Tia at Tia McNelly Notes, Jess at Spreza Foundry, Collected proudly supports and partners with Flourish Kenya, a nonprofit working to prevent and support unplanned adolescent pregnancy in rural Kenya. Learn more at flourishkenya.org. The Collected podcast is recorded and edited by Jacob Early. Music is by Asaf Alon.